0: you're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how I went 5-13 and 13 in my first season and then went 14-4 and four in my second season, basically taking me from last place to second place. And we're going to talk about exactly how I did that. So stay tuned. Hi. I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball, and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 25 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you are a regular listener, welcome. We got another good one for you today. And if you are a new listener, welcome to the pod. Thank you for joining me. And uh, you got some episodes to get caught up on, but we got another good one for you on episode 25. We're going to We're going to talk a little bit about my journey into the college volleyball scene and how I was in last place in my first year. And the very second year, we turned it around and we went from 5 and 13 the first year to 4 and 14, or sorry, 14 and 4 the second year. Uh, It was quite a journey, quite a journey. So I hope that you can take some stuff away from today's episode because, yeah. Should be a good one for you. Um, before we get into it, you want to do me a favor and rate and review the podcast, uh, or just hit that subscribe button. You can pause it right now, hit that sub- subscribe button, and come back and um, let me know. Uh, that way, you get all the get all the notifications when I go live. Um, and if you have listened to some episodes before and you haven't gave me a review yet, you know I really appreciate that because at the end of the day, you know I try to make these episodes to educate you know the coaches around the world and just. Really, what you what you want to hear? I want to know what you what you want to hear. I want to know what, what you think about it, so I could you know better help and serve um, my listeners out there. All right, so let's get into today's episode, shall we? So interesting. So let me give you a little backstory to this uh, to this thing. So I was so as many of you know, I coached club. I coached club for about five years, and after I finished coaching club, I actually took a year off, and when I took a year off, I had no intention of going back anytime soon. I was, I was exhausted. For coaches out there, you know how long a, a club season is. And at that time, I had taken a 15U team all the way from 15U to 18U, and then the boys graduated, and then I was done. I would have to restart back with a new team and do the same thing all over again, and I was exhausted. So I took some time off. And at the time... Uh, Seneca College which is the biggest college in Canada um, located in Toronto they were actually interviewing uh, for a head coach position now I had just gotten off club I had zero intention of doing anything else and on top of that let's be real I'm a club coach I have no qualifications to be coaching at the college level let alone the head coach of a college team so I took some time off that year I, you know I did some guest coaching I did some stuff like that and then The following season, the job was posted again. Uh, So I guess it didn't work out with with, uh, their head coach that they had uh, during that year. And I think they made the post in April. And then, you know, May comes, June comes. They interviewed a bunch of people and they didn't hire anybody. Now, I knew some players on that team. So I guess they knew that I wasn't coaching and they, they told the AD to reach out to me. So the AD reached out to me and um, said, you know, are you, we, heard, we heard about you, we heard you're not coaching right now, we heard you'd, be, you'd potentially be a great fit. And I told the AD, and I told him, and I was being completely honest, and I said, um, listen, I don't think I'm qualified for the position. And he said, no, 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 you know, apply anyways, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have the AD telling me to apply after I specifically said that I don't think I'm qualified for for the position. So I don't know what my players or what, what the players told them. So anyway, I applied. And part of the, the interview was preparing a presentation on how I would run the program. So I basically just described what I did for my 18U season. I described the program we put in place and what we did and what our results were and how I would basically do the exact same thing at the college level with obviously a bit a bit more um, a bit more in depth because we have more resources at the college level. So you know I have I have a yeah it's just it's just a little bit more in depth but same idea. So I had the interview. The interview was about an I think it was about an hour and a half, a little under an hour and a half. And I go home and I get a call. That that same day, saying uh, congratulations, you got the job. If you'd like it, and I was, this was crazy. I, I couldn't believe that I got the head coach of a college team. Let let alone forget the call co- the biggest college in Canada. It wasn't a small town college, the biggest college in Canada. So I was over the moon, excited and ecstatic to to get started. I got. I couldn't wait. Now, if you remember. Um, and I, and I please when I when I tell you this story I don't I, I'm not trying to sound arrogant or you know conceited in any way I'm, I'm actually humbled by the fact that they hired me they saw something in me that they thought would be you know and they were look they were looking for a long term fit because as you can tell based on the story they interviewed a year prior. They didn't like, um, or they went separate ways with the coach that they hired, and then on top of that, they interviewed for two months and didn't select anybody until they selected me. So they were looking for a specific person. I think that what I what I told them was what they wanted to hear, and funny enough, um, I, I wasn't lying. It's exactly how I ran my program with my club team, and funny enough, you know that that first year we we did. We did poorly because I got hired late, right? So two months of hiring plus, so I got hired at the end of June, which no time to recruit, no time to even talk to players. It was basically whoever was on the team and whoever showed up to open tryouts. That's what I had to work with. But a little foreshadow, but my first year, we were five and 13. My second year, we were 14 and four. So clearly something worked. Which we're gonna get into right now. So, what did I do? What what changed? Well, the first thing, and and this and listen, coaches, if you're in if you're coaching club or you're a college coach or you're whatever level you're at, high school varsity it doesn't matter. All of these things can apply. The only difference, will maybe it might be in the scope of how you do it, but everything that I'm going to talk about can definitely apply to you. Okay. So, what do you think the first thing that we did was? Well. We changed the entire culture of the program. We had to because the culture of the program was a losing culture and frankly, a toxic culture. So what we did was after that five, because we didn't have a choice that five and 13 year, my very first year, we had no choice. We had to take whoever was previously on the team and players that came to open trials. We had no choice or else we wouldn't have had a team. And that year was a rough year because that's when we first started establishing the culture. We um, basically ran them through exactly how our program was going to work. And let me explain to you what that looks like. So culture is a big thing. We value character more than anything. So we wanted selfless athletes who cared more about the team than themselves. And you know what's interesting? I find a lot of athletes will say that they're selfless And they may, you know, no, I'm always about the team. I'm always about the team. That's what they say. But then, their actions are completely different. When a player says, "Why am I not getting enough playing time?" Now, that is a not that's not a selfless question. That's a selfish question. No player should ask that unless, of course, it's you know, if it's in a one on one and they're just they want to know what they can do to improve to earn more playing time. Sure, right? That's that's a whole different conversation. But when they're complaining, about playing time, that's another problem. And we wanted selfless players. We wanted players that cared about the team. We wanted players that are gonna work hard, are going to be coachable, and are going to do whatever they can to make the team better. And we wanted to create an experience for these athletes as well. So culture was the big, big thing. So the very first thing we did after that first year is we got rid of a lot of players that we would not take back because their character or they didn't fit the culture that we wanted to go forward with. Now, that decision right there, coaches, is a tough one because one thing I want you to uh, be aware of is that the hardest thing to do or one of the hardest things to do as a young coach is to say no to talented volleyball players, okay? I mean, imagine when you when you have a tryout and or you have a, a player who you know is amazing, and I see young coaches make this mistake all the time they will pick they'll take a player just because they're great volleyball players. Maybe they're, you know, they they're, they're going to be a starter. You want them cuz they're going to give you a better chance to win. And what happens is that player becomes toxic in the locker room and not only do you not win, but your culture is ruined, your players aren't having that great of a time, the experience isn't fun, and it's just overall not a not a good it's not a good experience, not a good time. You don't want you don't want to do that. And you're going to get more problems than successes when you make selections based on just skill. So we got rid of some talented players, some, some a lot of starters. We got rid of because they just didn't fit our culture. So that was step one. Two, when we recruited, we recruited players that fit all culture, all culture, ah, our culture. So not just good volleyball players, but players that fit our culture. And let me tell you something: we only recruited two players that were that were starters right away. So there were still four, four players, well, five players, including the libero, that were not uh, recruited. So just two players that were recruited. So it wasn't like we recruited an entirely different team. So we recruited two players. We got the right personnel that we wanted in the gym. And then we began the second season the exact same way we began the first season, but with the culture in place. So players knew exactly what the expectations were. They knew exactly what was required from them. And they knew exactly what was acceptable and what wasn't. And when I talk about culture, I I, I mean, I talked about selflessness and the fact that, you know, you want what's best for the team and things like that, but it's also behavior. Like behavior is really important. So I have um I have a Seneca men's volleyball manual. It's a it's a manual that encompasses our entire systems, our beliefs, our culture, everything. It's written in there. Now, digital volleyball academy members, you guys already have access to this. So if you're if you're a DVA member listening to this, it's already in the membership portal. Go take a look at that. But if you're not, what it is, it basically outlines um you know things that are required and expected from the player. So let me give you some examples, okay? So like when we you know, when you are, you're a player and you walk through the gym for the first time, right, for practice, you have to greet every single player that's in there as well as the coaching staff. You know, high five, dap, whatever the case is. So if you're the last player that walks in the gym, you have to go and dap every single player and you have to greet your coaching staff, right? That's just ex- an expectation. You have to make sure you acknowledge that, hey, I'm here, what's going on, what's going on, whatever. When you leave the gym... You have to make sure that you you know you high five or adapt every player and coach as well before you leave. Now something simple as this it it creates that culture, right? It reinforces the fact that we are one that we're, we we reinforces that relationship that we want to have with each other. Okay, you know things like if practice starts at six, you are late as a five fifty five. Making sure that everyone understands that everyone is held accountable. I don't care if you're the captain of the team or you're, you know, the fifteenth person that's going to come potentially play. You're held accountable for everything. And listen, coaches, don't be that coach who just because you have the best player on the team, you're worried that if you upset them, you know, it may not put them in the right mindset or it may hurt your team's chances of winning. You don't want to be that coach. If they are the best player on the team, they are still required to do the exact same thing as everybody else. You know what I want with his little pet peeve of mine. Side note, I always. I can't stand when I see a team warming up and everybody's warming up in the same thing except that one player. And that one player is warming it up in whatever he or she feels like they, they want to warm up in. And that one player is normally one of the best players on the team. But no one ever says anything to that one player. They think that because they are the best player, one of the best players on the team, they can do whatever they want to do. They could look different. They want to stand out. Well, I'm sorry. That is That is selfish. That's not being one. You're not one team that way everyone should be doing dressing the exact same way if that's what is that's what everyone else is doing so you got to be aware of that and it's those are the things that make it like it, it's sending a bad message to your team too that that player doesn't have to follow the rules or that player you know can look different than everyone else last time i checked you guys are one team you're not you know you're not just it's not one player doesn't win a game it takes six players to to do that so You know, the the manual that we have outlines all of these things. So these are things that weren't there before. So before I took over the team, there was no contract or men's volleyball manual. There was no structure for what the expectation for the athletes were. And that's a problem. So this is going to tie into my, my second thing, which is you have to run a program. You're running a program. Okay, that's what you're doing. A program takes planning. So... It's not, you're not just showing up for practice, executing a practice and leaving and getting on with your life. Like this isn't something you just show up, do and leave. This is an experience. This is a program you're creating for them. And a program composes of a lot of things. So the first thing we did is we, we have a training camp. And I, I talk about, it. I'm not going to get into it, but I talk about training camp in my other episodes is when we make the team, we go away for a training camp where we train the players get to know each other and we build and grow together as one in a short amount of time they never had a training camp before I started this this job we implemented a a detailed and rigorous strength training program we have one of the best strength trainers in my opinion in the province and he's responsible for our strength training program so before strength training was just a choice before we took over i'm sorry if you want to be a great program, strength training is mandatory, not a choice. You have to do it. And I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not going to mention names or programs, but I've actually seen universities who, I, 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 I can't remember. I remember this story. Oh, my God. I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I went, I was a, I was a guest guest coach slash just observing a, a university practice, okay? And I asked, um, what their strength training program looks like to the coach. And at the time, he's like, well, they have one, but you know, I, I, how am I going to convince these guys to go do it? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, they, it's their choice. They do it or not. I'm like, are, are we not going to play them if they don't go? And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, you don't play them if they don't participate in team strength training. That, That's just a, that's a no-brainer. And they were just like, and then he, he mentioned a name. He's like, so he, he mentioned his best player's name. And he's like, well, if that player doesn't go to strength training. Does that mean that player doesn't play in the next game? And I said, Yeah. And he thought I was crazy. He's like, well, I'm not benching my best player because they don't do strength training. Are you kidding me? And that right there is a problem. If you are not, if you don't have the courage to, you know, to give a consequence to your best player because they're not following the rules, then what kind of culture do you really have on your in your program on your team? And that is where you're setting yourself up for failure. Because now your team knows that. The rules don't apply to everybody, and that's a problem. And it can, and this is, um, and I know I I understand where coaches are coming from. When and I I actually understand where that coach was coming from, like he's thinking, well, if my best player doesn't do it, how am I going to take him out of a game that we're, we're, we're trying to win? We're trying to make the playoffs, win a championship. Well, the problem is that if you allow that, not 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 only are you not going to win a championship, but you're not going to have the culture that's needed to win a championship. So I hope there's a lesson in that right off the back. So you have to have strength training, film session. Now, I mean, every great program has film sessions. You got to do film. That's it's an important part of your program. Team film sessions, individual film sessions, requiring players to go look at a film on their own. Right, these are things that are important. Scouting reports. Before we got there, there was no the teams didn't like the players told me they didn't get a scouting report before their next match. Big problem Scouting is such an important part Of our game And you have to do that So you can prepare For You can you Sorry So you can best prepare For the next game Okay So All of these things And this is all part of running A proper program You're going to have a proper You're going to plan out a, What a preseason looks like You're going to make sure You have one on ones During the season we, Now we have one at the beginning Middle and end So So Oh, and notice, I haven't, I, I, haven't been, I haven't given you guys any tactical and technical things about volleyball, okay? And, um, and to be quite honest, this has nothing to do with... Ta- I went from five wins and 13 losses to 14 wins and four losses by not changing the tactical and tactical things that we were doing. That stayed the same because we were coaching high-level volleyball. So that stayed the same. We maybe changed a couple of things based on the, the the team personnel that we had, but it wasn't anything significant that would have you know made or break our season. The changes came from the program, from running the program. That's where the changes came from. So big lesson there, and I, I always say this: 70% of our game is everything else, is not tactical and ta- 30% of our game is tactical and technical. Seventy percent of our our game is everything else, such as how you run your program, how you communicate with your with your uh, team, with your players, how you set them up for success. Um, another thing too is you know, and I I kind of alluded this before when it comes to bringing on the right people. But when we selected you know the fifteen athletes that we had that year, we were bringing in the right athletes, the right people. If you we ha- I'll tell you another one, we cut a player who was a great player. We cut a player who he came into, uh, and he was actually, he came into an open tryout. Open tryout, he walks in the gym, and my assistant coaches uh, greet him, and he said, um, hi, I'm looking for the head coach. Right away, like not even, you know, acknowledging the fact that the, they were talking to assistant coaches there. Hi, I'm looking for the head coach. Right away, I, want, I'm just, I just want to talk to the head coach. And he wanted to tell me that he's trying out so I can look at him and be aware of him, but he completely uh, ignored my, our assistant coaches. And this kid could have been LeBron James, and we would never have taken him. And we didn't take him. He was he, he would have played. He would have made our team. He would have probably made his way into a starting rotation. He was the middle, and we didn't take him. And after we had our exit, so we have exit interviews with everyone that tries out for the team, and we tell them you know whether they made it or not. So we don't we don't actually put up a list. We actually tell them in person. Thank you so much for trying out. You know, um, we want to we want to welcome you back to, to whatever for, to the next try or we want to offer you a spot whatever. So when I told this player that. That he didn't make it. I actually told him why he didn't make it. Um, he fought. He fought me for the. You know. He said no, but that's not. You know. I, I am a team player. I'm this. I'm that. I'm that. I'm that. da." And he just kept going. He wouldn't even let, let me let me talk. And I was like, sorry, but this is it. Bye. And so right off the back, see, just based on that behavior, we said no. And that in itself is a lesson because it's important to to say no more. Like you know, saying yes is easy. Saying no is harder. So we said no. And he went away and he didn't, he didn't make the team. And, it, and we're, we're better for it because, you know, when you have those type of players in your locker room, it's just a recipe for a disaster. That kid was not listening. He didn't. He completely ignored my assistant coaches and just wanted to talk to me. That's, that's not a team player right there. So bringing in the right people is definitely um, important when it comes to building your culture and establishing your program. Um, we have this thing called the volleyball pyramid, which is the next thing I want to talk about. And the volleyball pyramid is simple. So we rank your importance on this team. So the f- most important thing in all our athletes' lives is their family, right? So this is our ranking, most, from most important to least important. Most important is family. Second thing is education. Third thing is whatever uh, religion or belief system that you have that's important to you. And then the fourth thing is volleyball. That should be the vo- That's your volleyball pyramid. And every player on our team, that's what the expectation is. So if they ever came to us and said, um, "You know, coach, I got to miss practice, or I, I, I'm going to be late, or this because I have a birthday party to go to," I'm like, "Well, does birthday part? Let's talk about the importance. Where does birthday party fall under the importance of the volleyball pyramid? Is it above volleyball?" And they say, "No." Well, therefore, volleyball is more important than that. You have to be there. That that's what you committed to. That's your expectation, right? And I, and unfortunately, it's. It's one of those things that it's hard, right? It's hard. But if you commit, if you commit to this program, you are committing to this program. This is not, you know, half in, half out or like, I'm sorry, but this is what, this is what it is. And that is the same expectation we expect from our coaches as well as our players. So you have to be very confident as coaches to, ha- to hold your players accountable for these expectations, and it's really hard to do that, but I, I hope you guys are starting to see the the vision that I'm trying to cast here for you is that the success lies within how you run your program and how you 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 deal with these little things. It's the little things that matter. You know, the coming into the gym and high fiving all your teammates and coaches before you get changed and before you step on the court, that's a little thing, but that goes a long way. You know, little things like that make such a big difference when in the grand scheme of things. So how did we go, you know, from 5 wins, 13 losses to 14 wins and 4 losses? We changed the culture. We changed the program and we actually started, we actually ran a proper program. We brought in, like, as we changed the culture, we changed the personnel. So we brought in the right people. We, we got rid of the people who didn't fit that culture. We valued character over skill. Okay. And then all that, in addition to running a great program, was a big part to our, uh, a big part of our success. And I'm going to leave you with one other thing that we live by as well that led us to and continues to leading us to grow. Is we believe as coaches that we're lifelong learners. So I'm always learning. Our assistant coaches are always learning. Anytime there's a coaching symposium, we go. Anytime there is. Uh, a clinic or something like that. We'll, we'll try to go. So we're lifelong learners, and we're going to continue to learn because that is what you have, what you are as coaches. You have to continue to learn, okay? Um, and it'll never stop. So, question for you, coaches out there, you know, if you're interested in learning about how to run a proper program, if you're interested, or you or you face any of the challenges that I talked about today, you know, if you want to understand how to create that ultimate program for your athletes to succeed. If you're interested in understanding how to create the experience that's going to take volleyball, volleyball is going to teach your kids the life skills that they can go on and become better people, they can get better jobs, live a better life, live a healthy life, a happy life. And that's going to lead to wins, which is incredible by the way. If you're interested in all of this, I want want to get to know you. I want to hear from you. I would love to invite you to be a part of Digital Volleyball Academy, which is my online membership. My online membership is where I get to work with coaches all year round and help them and teach them. I call it my Coach B Framework. My Coach B Framework um, revolves around helping coaches and teaching them how to affect the lives of their athletes in all sorts of different ways. So not only do we talk about the skills, the tactical and technical things in our game, we talk about that, absolutely, but we talk about my framework, which includes things like differentiated instruction, things like how to effectively teach, how to effectively run a program, how to effectively create that experience for your players, the intangibles that's going to lead to the wins and the and and, um, and the results that you want. Okay, you're going to have a, so much of a better vision. You're going to know exactly where you are. You're going to know where you want to be and how to get there. So, if this is something that you you think you'd be interested in to really fast track your growth as a coach. I really want to invite you to to join Digital Volleyball Academy. Now, right now, doors are closed, but sign up for the wait list. So when we open doors, you'll be the first to know. Just head over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Okay, that's digitalvolleyballacademy.com. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to get to work with you so that... I can help you affect the lives of your athletes. And if you go to digitalvolleyballacademy.com, there's actually a button on the main page called Talk To Me. It's a little button. You'll see my, my face there. and You'll see me talking. Click on it and send me a message. Let me know what you feel. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, I want to get to know you. I want to get to really work with you and help you. And I would love nothing better to see you affect the lives of your athletes so we can continue to grow this game, so we can continue to make volleyball more popular and get more people involved so we can really affect more lives. So that's, my, uh, that's where we're going to close it off at that. Thank you so much again for you know, joining me on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I hope you guys have a great, great day and we'll see you again next week. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look.